are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Well, praise the Lord. I'm going to read from Joel chapter 2, verses 12 to 17 to start us off today. Now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and with mourning. So rend your heart and not your garments. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and he relents from doing harm. Who knows if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering, a drink offering for the Lord your God. Verse 15, blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, Assemble the elders, gather the children and the nursing babes. Let the bridegroom go out of his chamber and the bride out of her dressing room. Let the priest who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Heavenly Father, bless your word to our hearts today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Prayer is the most important aspect of our Christian lives. Our relationship with God is more important than any other relationship we could have. We build our relationships with him primarily through prayer and the word. Every other part of our life revolves around spiritual health. Prayer is a primary means of becoming and staying spiritually healthy. When we fail to pray, we fail. Amen? We set ourselves up for failure when we leave God out of the picture. Jesus said that we should pray and continue to pray until the answer comes. Paul said that we should not cease to pray. Never give up praying. The fact is that the answer may be only minutes hours or days away. We don't know when God is going to answer, but we should always expect that he will. Our problem is that we give up too easily. But I'm glad that people didn't stop praying for me. People who prayed for my salvation had no way of knowing how close I was to becoming a born-again believer. I didn't give them any 
reason whatsoever to believe that it would be soon. In fact, I was getting worse rather than better. But then one night, their prayers were answered. And I was kneeling at the altar, saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Come into my heart. I want to live for you. Effie was glad that she didn't, that, that she didn't stop praying for me. My mom and my dad, my sisters, my nana, and the congregation rejoiced that evening because I had come to Jesus. Because they prayed and prayed and prayed and would not give up, a soul was won to Jesus, and some 20 years later, I entered into full-time ministry. And now there's one less alcoholic in the world. There's one less broken marriage. And there's one less skid roll story. All because people prayed for me. I want to look first of all today at the power of prayer. Prayer is the correct response to every event in life. James chapter 5, verses 13 and 14 says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Prayer should be an everyday part of life. When we're happy, when we're sad, when we're troubled, when we're sick, no matter what situation you find yourself in, it's a good practice to pray. Prayers of request, prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of rejoicing, prayers of petition interceding on behalf of others. This is not an isolated instruction. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In everything, with thanksgiving, that's a prayer of faith. Do you understand that? When you are thanking God for what you're praying for, when you're giving thanks for what you're praying for, even before you receive it, it's a step of faith. It's an act of faith in your prayer. 1 Peter 5 and 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Ephesians 6.18. <coughs> Excuse me. 
That's the worst with those things. If you have to cough, they can blow your eardrums. <laughs> we are exhorted to pray for everything and about everything. We are counseled to pray for each other and with each other. And we are urged to confess our sins to one another. So that we can pray for one another. So that we can believe for one another and encourage one another. Jesus said in Matthew 18 verse 19, If two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. That's power. There is power in agreement. When two people agree together, of course we know that it means, it doesn't mean just for any old thing. You've got to be in agreement with the Word of God. God is will. I once read of a young girl who was in a serious accident. She lay in the hospital in a critical condition. Her fellow students gathered at the church to pray for her healing. She had severe brain damage. This couple, this group of, of faith-filled students prayed all night long with her parents, and they agreed for her complete healing. The result was that the, the girl's brain began to heal, the swelling began to go down, and within weeks, she was released from the hospital perfectly whole without any complications. That's what God does when people pray. There is power when we agree together in prayer. The Christian church is not for lone rangers. It is a community experience. The New Testament is quite clear about this. One of the Bible's most descriptive passages about the nature of the church is found in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many Form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. Just like my hands, my fingers, my feet, my toes belong to me. It's part of my body. My ears, my mouth, my eyes. So. As a body of believers in every local church as well as in the, 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 the universal church, we are members of each other. And it really affects me. It really affects me when one of my members is hurting. And it really affects this church when one of you are hurting. When one of you are feeling discouraged, when one of you are having a financial problem, when one of you are sick, no matter what it may be, it hurts. We feel it. it we feel it in the body. 
And so just as the body begins to heal itself and, and help in that area that is affected, so the body of believers help each other, pray for each other. And so that's why being involved in a vital church community on a regular weekly basis is so important. Every week when Effie and I go home, did you see so-and-so there this morning? My, my, my thing is usually, well, Effie, it's hard for me to see anyone. Those lights blind me. I just, I just think I'm speaking to myself most of the time. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we are concerned. And then all of a sudden we say, no, I didn't see them there. Did you see them last Sunday? No, I didn't. You know, like, and so, well, maybe we need to get on the phone and find out what's happening there. Because sometimes, you know, like in a, in a church like ours where, where people on different shifts and everything like that, and you get, you, you're, you're working a month and with not able to get to church at all, and then you've you got a week off and you need to go to the city and all of these things, and sometimes a person could be left the church. And we don't know it. A month has gone by. Two months has gone by. And somebody says, did you know that so-and-so is not coming anymore? And our hearts ache for them. We don't like to hear that. It's not so that we can keep the seats full. But we just want to make sure that people who are part of us are growing in Christ. And if they can grow in Christ in another church and, and, and feel more connected in another church than ours, that's fine. That's not a problem. But sometimes people fall through the cracks and we don't see them anymore until they're coming for counseling. They've made some bad choices. And that's hurtful too. Our scripture reading from Joel chapter 2 verses 12 to 18 is a call to a nation who has lost their way. Their rejection of God's word has a serious consequence. And he is warning that it's about to get worse if they continue in rebellion. Joel is speaking for the Lord and the language reveals a serious, the seriousness of the matter. He says, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. That speaks to me of someone who is, Lord, things are really not going good. Lord, I haven't been faithful to you. Lord, my family is not serving you. Lord, my loved one is sick and I, I've done everything I can. The doctors have done everything they can. Lord, I need help. Lord, my community is in a rough shape. Lord, I need to see something happen. I want to see you move by your Holy Spirit so that something can take place, that my neighbor can be healed, their marriage can be healed. 
The young people can get off drugs and alcohol and get on to Jesus Christ. This describes wholehearted repentance in turning back to God. It's realizing that our only hope is in Christ. And then he says, rend your hearts and not your garments. In other words, let it be an inward response rather than an outward show. Their culture, their cultural ritual was to tear their clothes in cases of sorrow and mourning. And God is saying, I don't want a religious response from you. I want a heart response. A spirit-to-spirit connection. Not an outward show. He reminds them of the awesome God we serve. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. That's not a picture of God trying to just wait to knock you over the head because you're doing wrong. One is full of mercy and grace. With his arms wide open and say, come back to me. Turn back to me. Now he repeats his call, repeats his call for prayer and fasting. Blow the trumpet in Zion. That was the, the, the call. They didn't have cell phones in that day. They didn't have telephones. They didn't have walkie-talkies. Their way of communication for the whole community was to get on this horn and blow it. And when they heard the horn blowing, they knew that there was a reason to gather together because there was something important going on. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Set them apart. Assemble the elders. Gather the children, the nursing babes. The bridegroom go out of his chamber. The bride out of her dressing room. God is saying, I want everyone to be involved in prayer and fasting. Don't leave anybody out, not even the little babies. Everyone. There's no room for pointing fingers. We're not interested in pleasing the pastor, our family, or our friends. We just want to please God. We just want to get back into his presence. How many of you often think, as I do, how much more I could have accomplished in my lifetime had I been closer to God? Had I spent more time praying and seeking his face? We're all guilty of sins of commission and sins 
of omission. Often the things that we fail to do is greater, has greater negative consequences than the things that we actually do. God expects the spiritual leaders to have a visible presence in taking the lead. Let the priest who minister to the Lord weep be between the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the people, where is their God? I wonder what the people, the general public of Coal Lake are saying about us. Is the conversation about the good things that God is doing and how the Christians are prospering in Coal Lake? Or are they saying, where is their God? Why should I go to church? I don't see any difference in them than I see in myself or the people around me. Where is their God? I'm getting to a point where I say, Lord, I want people to see a difference. I want people to sense the power and the presence of God when I'm in their presence. Not in a religious way or a stereotype thing. Simply the power and the presence of God. I firmly believe that every spiritual leader, the pastor's council, the elders, the ministry leaders, the staff, should take the Lord take the lead and the responsibility of being visible in times of prayer and fasting. Here is the reason for prayer and fasting. When the church fails to pray, we miss out on the blessings of God. We are less effective because prayer and fasting is depending upon God and when we fail to pray and we fail to fast, we're saying, I can do it on my own. I don't need any help, thank you. I have studied the Word. I have gone to college. I'm well equipped. I don't need any help. And that's a recipe for failure, my friends. The world, the community, sees our lack. They contribute it to God failing to be able to meet our needs. And basically, the Bible tells us we have not because we ask not. But the world don't see it that way. Their perspective of us is that we're always praying. 
And what's the use of praying, they're saying? Because there's no difference. It gives the world of unbelievers ground to ask, where is their God? The power of fasting. Fasting and prayer is one of the most powerful spiritual combinations on earth. Fasting is the willful abstaining from natural pleasures for a special spiritual purpose. It is a personal commitment to renounce the natural to invoke the spiritual. Romans 8, 12, For if you live after the flesh, you shall die, but if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So if you walk in the Spirit, you will see the power of God in your life. There's something about prayer and fasting, something about fasting that gets you that close, intimate relationship with Christ. Because when you're fasting, you're not going after the fleshly desires. It's about him, not about me. In other words, if he lives in you, you let him direct you. Galatians 5.25 says, If we live in the Spirit, then let us also walk in the Spirit. Jesus said, The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. Let this word direct you in every aspect of your life. Romans 12.2 Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You have heard me say over and over again, the way to transform your mind is to feed on the Word of God. But if you want to, something to assist you in doing that, try fasting. You know, the only way to get all the air out of a glass is to fill it up with liquid. As long as it's only half full, there's still air in the glass. When you fill it right up to the brim with liquid water or whatever, you've replaced all of the air. Well, there's a way to get sinful, negative, whirly thoughts out of your mind. The solution is to replace it with daily portions of God's Word, the Bible. Sometimes that is very difficult to do. We've got so many things to do. But when you take time out to pray and fast, it gives you more time to spend with him. Reading and heeding the word of God will help to set you on that course as well. Fasting promotes that transfer from the natural to the spiritual prepares us to communicate spirit with spirit. It breaks the power of the flesh and the devil. It destroys unbelief and brings answers to prayer when nothing else works. The duration of the fast may be one meal. It's powerful what one 
fasting one meal a day for a period of time. And you use that time to pray and read the word. It's powerful. Fasting one day, nothing to eat for one day is powerful. One week or one month. A Christian should fast should include personal and corporate prayer during the fast. We often substitute our normal eating time with prayer. Some of the most common fasts are full fast, where you drink only water. There's the Daniel fast, which is becoming very popular. And it is great for people like me who, because of medical conditions and medications, I have to eat something. And so, uh, this partial fast is restricting all foods except fruits and vegetables and grains and water. The Daniel fast usually goes for 21 days. Medical restrictions may determine what you can eat and if you can and how long you can fast. It is not honoring to God to endanger your health with a fast. <clears throat> You don't have to get religious about it. We don't have to be religious. We simply want to place ourselves in a spiritual position to hear from God. And another thing, don't pig out on a Daniel fast. You ruin it. It's not a fast. You're, the idea is to eat less. And so, if you can eat as little as possible and still remain healthy on a Daniel fast, that's great. But each one to your situation. You see, because God wants your heart. You don't want this to be a religious thing. He wants to speak heart to heart with you and me. He wants us to take time out of our busy life to say, Lord, here am I. I'm listening. I want to hear what you've got to say. Lord, this is the burden of my heart. Lord, this is what I would like to see for 2017. This is what I want for my family. This is what I want for my children. This is what I want for my mom. This is what I want for my dad. This is what I want for my school chums. This is what I want for my, my peers at work. Lord, what part can I play in your building program this year? Jesus, you said you're going to build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What part can I play in this building program? Fasting gives you God's focus for your life. 
It's a major key to hearing God's voice. Jesus didn't talk too much about fasting during his ministry. But the one time when he provided specific instructions on fasting in Matthew chapter 6, he started by saying, when you fast, not if you fast. It was a foregone conclusion that people would fast. He also said when the, when the Pharisees asked him why his disciples weren't fasting and John's disciples were, he said, the day is coming when I'm going to be taken from them. You'll find it in Mark chapter 2, verse 18 to 20. Days coming when I will be taken from them, and then they will fast. And so ever since the ascension into heaven, the Christian church has been fasting. So we conclude that Jesus expected his followers to incorporate fasting in their worship. Biblical examples of fasting and prayer are with purpose. Fasting and prayer is recorded in the Old and the New Testament. Ezra fasted for protection while transporting materials for God's temple. In Ezra chapter 8, verse 21 to 23. Daniel fasted for fulfillment of God's promises in Daniel chapter 10, verse 3. Jesus fasted to begin his ministry and resist Satan with the word. Matthew chapter 4, 110. Luke 4, 1 to 14. I think I'm getting the hang of this. <laughs> Moses fasted to receive the Ten Commandments. Elijah fasted 40 days to hear from God. The elders, the prophets, the teachers in the New Testament fasted and prayed so to God for ministry, for direction, initiating the, the launching of, uh, of the the. the Believers and the apostles that would go out and preach the gospel, such as Paul and Barnabas, into public ministry. Acts chapter 13, 2 and 3. The Bible is clear that the last day's outpouring of the Spirit will be in, portion, be in proportion to the fasting and the crying out of God to God in humility, hunger, and repentance as we have read in Joel, chapter 2. So, in conclusion today, I know that God answers prayer. And I can count on his promise to answer. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. He has answered prayer for Effie and I many times in many ways. Physical, spiritual, financial, giving us direction, wisdom for family, for friends, and congregations. 
There's been times when I was so sure and so set on doing things my way. When I went to God in prayer, he straightened me out. Do you know that if I had went my way, I would have never been a pastor in Colac? But when God began to, I began to realize that there was a door open. And I began to talk to God and I just let myself in a little ways. God changed my mind and changed my heart. And one of the best decisions I've ever made in all of my life outside of receiving Jesus Christ as my Savior, was to become the pastor of Colate Community Church. If we are to see what God desires for this congregation, for this city, and for the Lakeland area, we have no choice but to fast and pray. There are no amount of pastors and teachers and evangelists and prophets and apostles that can bring revival to this area without prayer and fasting. Let me say that again. There are no amount of pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, or apostles that can bring revival to this area without prayer and fasting. We could have a special service with top-name speakers in every month. It will not happen unless God's people are prepared to pray and to fast and to seek God's face. Turn from our wicked ways. And get back to right living with God. Special meetings and conferences without prayer and fasting fall short of his plan. I believe that God is giving us an open door here in Coal Lake. We know it. We feel it. We sense it in our spirits. You get together with a bunch of believers and the prophetic begins to come out and what we are hearing is that God wants to do something. And the only thing that's holding him back is the church. I said the only thing that is holding him back is the church. It's you and me. The thing that caused the, the church to grow in the first century is the very thing that will cause us to grow and be revived again. We will meet every evening. Let's do it right. We're going to meet every evening, including tonight. And we're going to pray. And if we're going to do our part, if we're willing to do our part, I know that God will do His. 
allow me to remind you as I'm closing that in times of prayer and fasting, the Lord gives specific direction for his church. We can expect to have some clearer direction after this week is over. After people get a distinct call afterwards, people get a distinct call to ministry. Acts chapter 13, 1 to 3. In the church at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. That's the way the early church worked. And if it worked for the early church, it's going to work for Colate Community Church. Let's see what God is going to do. I got a feeling next Sunday morning is going to be a powerful service. Amen? Lord bless you, folks. Have a great day in Jesus. Anyone who needs prayer, you come. We'll pray for anything. Amen? Believe for anything. We've got people that are ready to come and help us pray. Believe God for great things. Amen? Lord bless you. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.